Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We're in the middle of a series right now called How to Adult. How to Adult. And, you know, recently I was at my parents' place and was sitting down with a cup of tea and just chatting and mum brought up this random payment that she had noticed in her account. She's like, Ruth, do you know what this payment, do you know what this payment is? And I was like, no, mum, like, why, why would I know what it was? Like, why, why would you think that it was me? I'm not just using your money and not telling you about it. Like, why on earth would you, like, it wasn't me. I don't know what this random payment was, but I promise I haven't been spending your money and not telling you. Anyway, we did a bit of digging and uh, we investigated this payment further turns out was me. Didn't, I didn't realise, unbeknown to me, somehow my Apple uh, subscription was linked to my parents' card. What a great deal for me, right? I didn't even realise she was paying for my Apple Music. She was paying for, um, I, I got this plant app once and I, I didn't work very well, but I didn't know how to cancel it properly. She paid for that. Um, my, out, my iCloud, like storage, all of that. Mum was paying for all these things and I didn't even realise that she was paying for them. But who knows that sometimes we can actually be so blind to our own immaturity, right? Like I, in this moment, I had no idea that I was acting like a child, right? What a child thing to do, to just spend your parents' money and not even realise what you're doing, right? I I didn't even realise that I was being such a child in that moment when she was paying for everything. But when I found out, I'm guys, I'm paying for my own Apple Music now. We worked out how to stop it. I was a bit sad in that moment when that happened. But Sometimes when it even comes to God, we can be so aware, uh, so unaware of our own spiritual immaturity. And this series, what it's all about, it's not about telling you how to become an adult. I look across the room, you guys have worked that out on your own. Um, but it's about becoming spiritually mature. And what that means is it doesn't matter your age in this room today. This message is still for you. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager, maybe you're a, maybe you're a kid and you can, you know, you're listening to this message. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. We are all called to grow in our spiritual maturity. And so who knows that when we grow in our spiritual maturity, that all the other areas of our life, they just kind of start to fall into place. And so as a church, we felt like it was so important to do a series, to do a series on this because we all need to grow in our spiritual maturity no matter where we're at. So we're going to jump into a scripture in Ephesians, um, Ephesians 4. And just before we do that, I want to explain a little bit to you about what's been going on prior. So Paul has written this letter to the Ephesian church and he's talking before this point about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus. If you're here today and you don't, um, you don't maybe call yourself a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, or maybe you hear that word gospel and you're not too sure what it actually means. Gospel is, is the word that we really give to the life of Jesus, to, to Jesus who came, who came fully God, fully man, and he lived a perfect life in our place. He died on the cross for our sins and he was raised again, defeating the power of, of sin, which was death. You see, that's so significant because who knows that we are not perfect, right? Like we all make mistakes. 
you know, even the Bible says we've all fallen short of the glory of God, right? We've all sinned, all of us. We're not perfect. And so the thing with sin is it separates us from God. We believe we have this perfect, perfect God. And so us not being so perfect, it separated us from God. But God loves you so much. He wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. And what he did was he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to live that perfect life in our place. And then Jesus, he's the one that went to the cross and paid the price for our sins. But he was raised again, meaning that we can have relationship with God. It is good news. And so Paul is talking about this to the Ephesian church. And and he's saying this should look like something. You know, that that message, that news, that actually looks like something. That should change how we act. It should change who we are. So you pick it up in Ephesians 4. It says, I therefore... Now, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, it means pay attention to what I just said because therefore, and then the rest comes to follow. He's saying, therefore, because of that good news, because of the gospel message, because of that, it should look like something and then he goes on to tell us more about what that looks like so i therefore a prisoner for the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And we're going to jump down to verse 11. And he gave, they gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attained the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to, or womanhood. Um, and it says, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In verse 14, so that we may no longer be children, Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that builds itself up in love." You see, it doesn't matter your background, your age. It doesn't, that, none of that matters to God. He calls all people to him. He calls all people to him and he gives every person that he creates, he gives purpose. He puts purpose on your life and he gives you gifts to live out that purpose. And as we step more into our spiritual maturity, as we step more into who Christ has called us to be, as we become more like him as we're called to do, what happens is we start to work out more of what those giftings look like in our life. You see, Paul talks about the body here. See, we are the body of Christ, God's people. But he talks about the body as in a physical body and he likens the two. And, you know, it kind of makes sense. Like if my elbow decided for the day that it wanted to become my foot, it'd be a little bit awkward, yeah. right? And I think my elbow would get a bit sore. It doesn't do a very good, good job at being the foot. If my foot decided it wanted to be my brain for the day, well, I'd be pretty, pretty useless, wouldn't I? But my foot, it does a great job at being a foot. 
You see, just like that, we are all made intentionally. We are all made for a purpose. And just like how my body wouldn't function very well if I was using it in the wrong way or if my foot wasn't there, well, we're the same. The body of Christ is God's people. If we aren't working in the way that we are, fun- that we are designed to work, then we won't function as the body in the way that we're supposed to function. Your makeup, the way that you're made, it's not by accident. You see, your giftings, your abilities, your characteristics, your strengths, all of that, it, it's not by accident. It's for a purpose. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not actually so sure what, you know, what your giftings look like. You're not quite sure what you're meant to be doing. You're not sure what God's purpose on your life is. Well, there's some things that we're all called to do. Okay, so I would call this like our collective call as Christians. They're things that collectively we're all called to do and they're a great place to start. We are all called to love. Wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, we are all called to love. We're all called to share the gospel, that good news that I was telling you about. We're all called to do that. And we're all called to care for the poor. There are things that, you know, there's, there's more than that. There's things that we are all called to do as Christians and we should never stop doing those things but God has also put a specific specific gift set in you he has called you specifically for a purpose not so that you can serve yourself and 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 you know build your own ministry or your own self in that but actually so that you can build the kingdom of God He's done that so that you can build up the church, build up God's people, and so that you can help people to know more about God and share the good news with them in a way that only you can. We all have different roles, right? We all have different roles in life, different ways that we spend our time. Maybe you're a parent and we all know that children are a full-time job. Um, so you guys, you know, get ready. And, and you are ready because you've already been parenting for a couple of years now, but... Um, but we all know, you know, parenting, that, that's, a, that's a role. That's, that's something we do. Maybe for you, you're a student. Maybe for you, you work. And so that's a role. That's a way that you spend your time. That's when someone says, oh, you know, who are you? What are, what's your name? What do you do? What do we tell them? We usually tell them our work. We tell them what we do, right? That's a role that we have in life. You see, these roles, they may seem incidental. They may seem like they just happened. You just stumbled across it. But The truth is, Jesus is in everything we do. Everything. It's not incidental. Jesus is in everything that we do. So how then, how do we find Jesus in what we do? How do we live out our faith in those roles in our life and specifically our workplace as well? And how do we connect that to the call of God in our lives? When I say the word ministry, different people will have different connotations of that. But more often than not, when we hear the word ministry, we think, oh, that's what the people who work in church do. That's ministry, right? That, that's in the church. That's, that's, that's what they do. They do ministry. Truth is, ministry actually extends much further than that. As a small group, we've been um, going through the book of Ephesians and uh, we listen, we've been listening to some teaching by a pastor called J.D. Greer. And I'm sorry if I got that wrong. He's probably not very likely to watch this sermon. I think that's how you pronounce it. But we've been listening to this teaching and, and, and it was really interesting. He said this thing. He said when he stepped into his job at church, he considered himself to be leaving the ministry. Wow. 
So when I stepped into that, I left ministry. And I thought that's so interesting. But the reason that he says that is because in the scripture we just read, Paul talks about equipping the saints, right? Who are the saints? That's God's people. That's you. That's me. So the job of people who, who do work in church, it's actually to equip God's people for ministry. And that ministry happens outside of the walls of this place. That ministry happens in the world around us, through our workplaces, through our role as a parent, through the roles that we have, right? So I thought that was really interesting. But when you look at the book of Acts, also interesting, there's 40, uh, 40 miracles that are recorded. 39 of those happened outside of the church. So where does that tell us that God wants to pour out his power you know, it does, we do see God's power in the church and, and it's great that we see that and we want to see that. But I have a suspicion when we look at that, um, just by percentage, that God wants to see a lot more happening outside of the walls of this building than we're currently seeing. Have you ever considered how the Bible, how it applies to your life? How it applies to your work, how it applies to your role, how it applies to the gifts and the the characteristics and the strengths that you have. Because there are people who have looked at this, okay, and and what they've found is that there's actually some patterns between people's giftings and where they end up in a vocation. So there's there's a there's a uh, there's a correlation between their gifting and the type of work, the type of jobs that they end up in. And so I wanted to share with you, there's a, um, there's a book called um, 5Q. It's by a man named Alan Hirsch, and it talks a lot about the APES, so Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Shepherd, Teacher. And I want to share with you a little bit of that pattern. Um, but there's a, there's a Christian author called Sky Jathani, and they say this, they suggest that um, God's design for work, we can see it all the way through Genesis. Said so God's design for work, we, th- we see in Genesis through generating abundance, So think, you know, jobs like businesses, entrepreneurs, right? It generates abundance. We can see um, that that we bring order. And again, you know, I've got people in my life, thank goodness, that bring a little bit of order to my life, right? Those admin people, they're amazing. Um, You know, even, um, you know, science-minded type minds often bring order to to creation. And then we've got um, cultivating beauty as well. And think about our creatives. So we can see even in creation, even in God's work throughout Genesis, we can see he generates abundance, he brings order and cultivates beauty. And we can also see how those things then tap into what we do now for work. So looking at the APES, so um, we've got the first one, apostolic. So if you consider we've got prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, apostolic is considered as a gift that can kind of touch all of those other gifts and help develop them and and bring them together, right? So that's apostolic. So they're often pioneers, entrepreneurs, uh, system thinkers, business leaders. And in this book 5Q, they also give some examples of some different people that aren't necessarily Christian. In fact, a lot of them aren't, can confirm. But they do give examples of people who who display these giftings. Because remember, God gives gifts to everyone, right? God puts a purpose on everyone's life. Whether you believe in him or not, he has a purpose on your life for him, whether you're using it for his purpose or not. So we have people like Steve Jobs, Thomas Edison, and Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Then we've got 
prophetic. So prophetic, sometimes we think of that as, you know, it's kind of speaking into the future. And yes, that's absolutely part of that in, in hearing God's voice and, and speaking into that space. But prophetic is actually largely encouragement as well. Um, it's not just that, you know, speaking into the future sense. It's actually that sense of encouragement and being really in tune to what God is wanting to do and where he's wanting to move. So prophetic was often artists, poets, advocates, hackers, uh, environmentalists, aid workers, psychologists, politicians and worship leaders. Um, so people like John Lennon, Eleanor Roosevelt, Gandalf from Lord of the Rings um, and Morpheus in The Matrix. You know, I, I'm learning a lot about Alan Hirsch, the writer of this book, because I think that maybe he has something about Lord of the Rings. Um, seems to have a bit of an interest there. Evangelists. So evangelists, they love to tell a story. Evangelists love to tell a story and they're, they're often looking for the opportunities, the opportunities to share the gospel. And, you know, we should all be doing that. That's something that as Christians we're all called to do. But there is a gift of evangelism and those that have it, they often just see a lot of fruit in that space. You know, they're just really good at talking to people, sharing the gospel. And there's just something so authentic about them that just draws people in. So evangelists were often recruiters, negotiators, uh, in sales, marketing, communicators, journalists, public relations, often really high achievers as well. Now, I will say, if you're listening right now and you're like, well, then it's not me then. Well, not everyone's always going to fit into this box, but it is interesting to look at the pattern that we see between the gifting and the type of roles people end up in. Um, so people like Oprah, Katy Perry and Richard Branson would fit into that category. Uh, shepherd, so shepherd and pastor, those words are kind of interchangeable, okay? So shepherds, is that really like caring? So caregivers, helpers, emergency services, health workers, um, HR, people like Nelson Mandela, Mother Teresa and J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings. And then we've got teachers and teachers are often really deep thinkers. So like scientists, coaches, education staff, engineers, legal workers, those type of roles. Um, also philosophers like Plato, Einstein, David Attenborough. One thing I've learned about people who love Lord of the Rings is often they also love Star Wars. And Alan Hirsch is obviously no exception to this because his last example is Yoda from Star Wars. So we can see that there is this correlation often between gifting and our vocation. Have you guys ever had a gift and not realised the value of that gift? Have you ever had a gift and not realised the value of it? My oldest brother, Tom, he used to work in um, removalist work. And so when someone didn't want something, they could take it home. He scored great things like a piano and all sorts of things. But there was one day that he came home and he came in with this giant stuffed peacock. And I said, Tom, what is that? <laughs> and why is it in the house, right? Like to me, I thought, why on earth would you save that? I mean, just get rid of it. No, no one wants that. And sadly, it did finally make its way to the wall at my parents' house. When people would walk down the stairs, they'd be just faced with this giant peacock, right, looking straight at them. It was very embarrassing having friends around. But turns out these things, they, people pay a couple of grand, for these things, right? I didn't realise the value that this peacock had. But the, the enemy, he does this with us all the time. You see, he will try to blind us to the value of our gifts. 
When he blinds us to the value of our gifts, he actually can cap the significance that we have. He can cap the impact that we have. And I think the enemy does this all the time. He tries to blind us from the significance of our gifts and what God is calling us to do in a space. We can be so spiritually asleep. Maybe it's through being distracted. You're too distracted to actually consider what your gifts might be. Maybe it's um, through insecurity. You're downplaying the gifts that are on your life and not actually recognising the, the, um, what God has put in you and, and how incredible that thing actually is. Um, or maybe it's false beliefs. Maybe, maybe, your, maybe your beliefs are wrong, whether it's about yourself or the world or about God. But if, if the enemy can cause us to be spiritually asleep, then what he can do is he, he starts to make us compartmentalise our faith. He starts to make us um, see things separate to God. Whereas what we're called to do is to put God at the centre of everything, right? But if we start to compartmentalise our faith, we no longer start saying, God, how do you want to use my gifts in this space? God, I see, I see the way that you've put this in me for a reason and I'm going to use that. If he, if he can get us to compartmentalise our faith, then he's going to cap the, the impact that we can have in the spaces around us. We need to be so awake everywhere that we go. Your work isn't separate to God. It's an overflow of, the, of your relationship with God. Your work, your roles, your, your role as a parent, as a student or in your work, it's an overflow of your relationship with God. So how do you know what your gifts are? How do you know what that looks like? There's a couple of things that you can consider that can help to kind of put you in the right direction. So the first one of those is your passion. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? What do you see that other people just don't see? What do you care about that other people just don't seem to care about quite as much? What are you really passionate about? What are the things that, you know, maybe, maybe you're um, just out for a day or maybe you are at work and you just can't stop thinking about this thing. You're passionate about it. And then look at that and then look at the crossover between that and your abilities. What are your skills? What are you good at? Now, I think a really obvious example here is singing. You might be really passionate about singing. But if you don't have the skill in singing, the chances are that you're not called in that space. Now, you can enjoy singing in your own time. You can enjoy that to yourself. Do that. Makes you happy. Awesome. But it may not be the call that God has put on your life. Right? So we take those two things. And then another thing that we can consider is affirmation. So what, what, is, what have people said to you? What have people said that you're good at? Maybe you've been prayed over. And if you haven't been, I'd encourage you to get someone to actually pray with you or to come forward for prayer um, when you have opportunities at things like, you know, encounter nights or ask someone to pray for you. But what have you, what's, been, what's been prayed over you? What have people said to you? What have people said that God has for you in your life? And if you picture that as, as a Venn diagram, so you've got your abilities, you've got your passion and you've got your affirmation. If you picture those things and you find where they all intersect in the middle, that gives us a really good idea of where God is calling us to go. When you find Jesus in what you do, you increase your platform to see kingdom change, to share the gospel, and also to find fulfilment in your life. You see, we're never as fulfilled as we are when we're following the call of God on our life. To live out our purpose, we need a perspective check. I think sometimes we think like the world and we don't even realise we're doing it. For example, 
what we can do is we can, you know, come to church on Sunday, that's great. And then we go, you know, go to work on Monday, we go about our week and then we come back to church on Sunday and keep going through the motions. We go to work and go about our week and someone says, how are you going? And you're like, yeah, yeah, work's like this. And, you know, family's going like this and um, relationships here, um, you know, and, and church, yep, yep, that's going well too. Yep, awesome. And we've got all these different areas of our life. But sometimes, as I said before, we can start to compartmentalise, can't we? It's like I've got this part of my life, this part of my life, this part of my life, tick, tick, tick. Okay, all going well. Whereas what God wants us to do is to put him right in the centre of it. So it's not a matter of, you know, I, I go to work and then I go to church, but it's a matter of I take God with me everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, my, in my work, this is what God's doing. In my relationships, this is what God's doing. In my family, this is what God's doing. How, is, how, how do we find God in the centre of everything that we do? Another uh, example is, you know, we're all here right now. We've all got our lives and, and, we're, and we've come into this place and we meet together on Sunday and we sing, you know, songs of worship to God and, and we hear a message and we're encouraged and you know we do that on Sundays but are we a group of people from the outside that come in to meet on a Sunday or are we a group of people that believe in Jesus and what he wants to do in this world and from the inside we go out into our world and we share the gospel in the places that we go you see, it's a subtle difference, isn't it? You know, a group of people that come together or a group of people that go out. It's a subtle difference, but it's actually the complete opposite of itself. And it makes a significant impact when we change our perspective. You know, kids are awesome. Kids are great. But they're not meant to stay as kids, are they? Like if your kid was staying as a kid and they weren't growing, you'd probably be a little bit concerned. Okay, about what, what's happening? This is, this is, this is wrong. Well... Spiritually, we're not supposed to say children. We're supposed to grow. I think sometimes God's going, what's happening? They're still children. They, they, they're, meant to be getting, they're meant to be getting older. They're meant to be developing. You see, the thing about a child is that their, their brain hasn't actually fully developed. As the older they get, the more their brain develops, the more their body develops, right? But that's why we need to be really careful of like what we show kids um, you know what what kind of movies they might be watching or what kind of um, content we might be sharing with them about our lives or that's why we're 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 safe with what we what we share and why we have to explain things so clearly because their brains they're actually not at a point where they can process where they can um, where they can process all the the heavy stuff that might come their way and so we protect them a bit and we explain things to them so that they're, as they grow up, they're actually ready. They're more ready to be able to process those things. So what an adult can face versus maybe a bit taller, but I'm an adult, I'm about this tall. But what an adult can face and what a child faces, their brains will process differently. And I wonder, I wonder what does God have for us that we're not ready to process yet? What does God have for us, but we're too immature? We're not developed to a stage where we can actually process what he wants to give us because it would be too much for us. We need to grow in our maturity so that we can actually take on the things that God has for us so that we can process them, so that we can deal with them, so that we can live out what he's put on our lives. But we won't be ready if we're too immature. 
you know, in the scripture that we read in Ephesians, um, Paul talks about, you know, growing up and but he also talks about doctrine and and what is well, the reason that he's doing this is because the Ephesian church at the time they were quite immature spiritually so so they were just kind of accepting any doctrine that was thrown their way and I think this is such a great reminder to us you know truth leads to maturity it's a great reminder to us to be reading our bibles to be reading the word this is truth in here and as we do that it builds our maturity our spiritual maturity as we pray as we meet with God it's truth it builds that maturity in our lives in 1 Corinthians 7 um, 17 Paul says to the Corinthian church says only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him this is my rule in all the churches and then after this he, he goes on to talk about circumcision and then he goes on to talk about slavery now that might seem a little weird but the reason is is that circumcision that was really the biggest religious debate of the day and slavery that was probably the biggest social debate of the day but what Paul is saying is it doesn't matter where you have come from it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised it doesn't matter if you're it doesn't matter if you're a slave or not a slave God has called each of us. And so we pick it up in verse 20. He says, each one should remain in the condition in which, in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself the opportunity. And I think it's important to note here that, you know, Paul, he wasn't for slavery, right? It's not something he necessarily condoned. So he's saying, you know, if you can gain your freedom, do. But he was so much more concerned, as God is, he was so much more concerned with changing the heart than he was people's circumstances. In verse 22, he says, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called, sticking together, <laughs> is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, let him there remain with God. You see, Paul is saying, yep, you've become a Christian. You're learning more about God, but you don't, you don't have to change your job. Like you don't need everything new. Now, there are definitely some things that when we become Christians, there are some jobs, for example, maybe crime, um, that we do need to leave, right? You know, like there are some things, some jobs where it's actually really impossible to, well, not impossible, nothing's impossible with God, but it's pretty hard to honour and glorify God through that, through that work in particular, right? But for majority of people, you don't have to change your job. You see, when we find the purpose of God within what we do, the old job finds a new significance. It's not about a new job. It's about finding the purpose of God within it and finding that new significance that it holds. What's normal becomes worship when we bring it to God. See, your, your roles in life, being a parent, being a student, your work becomes worship when we bring it to God. Paul talks to the Ephesians and the Corinthians about this, this sense of humility, about having humility. What's interesting is that at the time, humility actually wasn't a very favourable quality. In fact, pride was more favourable than humility. And I think that is so interesting because that doesn't make much sense to me, but that's the way that it was. And I think that's such a great reminder to us that we're not to think as the world, but to think 
as God does, as he's asked us to. So for example, maybe in your job, maybe integrity isn't very highly valued. Maybe it's a climb, climb the ladder, dog eat, you know, dog world. Maybe, maybe that's what it's about. Integrity isn't actually that highly valued, but integrity matters to God. Yeah. So we're still called to live and to work with integrity in our roles. What God gives to you, your work, your, um, your gifts, what God gives to you, he wants to work through you. Right. In Colossians 3, 23 to 24, it says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you may work for your boss Maybe you work for yourself. You may work for an organisation, but you are still God's servant. Your job is not incidental, it's spiritual, right? We still work for God. And these same principles that it talks about in Colossians, those same principles are true for us today as employees. Here it was talking about slavery, but for us, we're still called to do that, to work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, and to know that we are serving the Lord Christ. You see, maybe, maybe God has called you to a different space than you're in right now. In fact, maybe for you, maybe God has called you into the church. Maybe that's what he has for you. But the reality is, is that for most people in this room right now, your call and your ministry is outside of the walls of this place. And so it's so important that we are, that we are placing ourselves exactly where God has called us to be. And chances are you're exactly where God wants you to be. What's important is that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're seeking God's purpose on our life and we're using our time, our talent and our treasure to build his kingdom. And notice that it's all three. It's not just our time. It's not just our talent. It's not just our treasure. It's all three. We use all three of those things to build the kingdom of God. If you don't find what your God-given purpose is on your life, you will live feeling in a sense, unfulfilled. And you won't be able to walk out what God has called you to. But I want to encourage you, there is more. There is more. No matter where you're at in your spiritual maturity, there is always more. Living with purpose comes naturally when your ambitions align with God's intentions. You know, my phone is getting to that point where the battery is starting to die more quickly. You had that point where you, you, know, you realise that it doesn't quite last the day anymore and you've got to plug it in all the time and all of a sudden it's died and you, you know, three months ago it was fine. Well, I've learned that these batteries, they're kind of designed to do that. They're designed to, well, they're not designed to, but it's the type of battery they are. They just kind of fail over time. And sometimes as people, I think that we kind of put ourselves in that category and we think, you know, as we get older, we're just going to, our capacity just kind of lessens over time. But I don't think that's how God sees it because I believe that as we grow in spiritual maturity, actually our battery does the opposite. It increases. Our capacity actually increases. But we can often set our own limits on ourselves based on our own perception. You see, we might be like, oh, I'm putting like 80% in, so I've only got 20% left for whatever other activity I have. Well, sometimes I think that our 80% is like God's version of 5%. He's like, no, 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 you think that's 80%. It's actually 5%. Like I have so much more for you. 
I only um, learnt yesterday, I was talking to my husband, Zach, and, and I only learnt this, that apparently more expensive fuel is more expensive for a reason. Um, it actually, not only is it better for your car, but it actually can get you further. You get more kilometres when you pay more for the petrol, right? I had no idea. I just thought it was more expensive and didn't think much else about it. But this is the same when it comes to us. You see, if you're living off the cheapest fuel source, if you're filling your life with things other than God, then you're not going to get as much mileage out of the fuel, are you? If we're filling ourselves up with God, if we're filling ourselves up with that premium fuel, we're going to get so much further. And so sometimes we might think that our battery, we're using 80%, but if we fill up our, on, the, on the premium fuel, that becomes like 5% because we're filled up with God and we live from that place as opposed to out of our own strength. I'm not going to lie, sometimes I do get tired, guys get a bit tired and I know that this looks different in different seasons of life you know I know that some of you are looking you're like you don't even have kids yet Ruth just you wait <laughs> right I know different seasons of life demand different things of us and 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 there might be circumstances in life that do take a whole lot of that energy and and that's for a season but sometimes you know three services on a Sunday I love every single one of them and while I'm here it's the best but before we come to a 6pm, sometimes on a Sunday, I'd rather nap. Yeah. In that moment, I could sleep, right? And Zach and I, what we do is, is we get in the car and we look at each other when we're feeling tired and we just look at each other and we go, we're made for this. Yeah. <laughs> we're made for this. You know what? When you know your why, when you know your purpose, it's so much easier. When you live with purpose, it's easier to spend that energy. You're made for this. You're made for what God has called you to. There's a book called Faith for Exiles. Um, it's by a man named David Keeneman and another guy called Mark Matlock. But David Keeneman, he is the CEO of Barna. Now, Barna is an organisation that does a lot of um, does a lot of research into um, into faith and the trends that we see in faith in society. And he's written this book um, particularly about youth and young adults and, and the trends that we're seeing in faith. And if you work with kids, youth or young adults, I would highly recommend that you listen to this book. It's amazing. Um, but they talk a bit about, um, about young adults and their linking of their purpose to vocation. And it, there's a really interesting link that we see there. So I want to share some of it with you. Um, so they interviewed about 1,500 um, US people, um, 18 to 29. Now, I know that we are not in the US, but there are a lot of similarities between our culture um, and the Western world of church and US, right? So we can assume there are some similarities there. So 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up as Christians, and they, they put these people into four categories. They had ex-Christians, they had unchurched, they had churchgoers, and then they had resilient disciples, Okay, so they asked them about if they understood their purpose in life. 24% of ex-Christians said that they did. 27% of unchurched said that they did. Churchgoers was 46% and resilient disciples jumped up to 74%. So we can see that the resilient disciples had a much higher, um, those, who, those who understood their purpose in life were resilient, the most were resilient disciples, right? There is a link there between being a resilient disciple and understanding our purpose in life. 
Then they asked about if they had learned to view their gifts and passions as part of God's calling. Ex-Christians was 19%. Unchurched was only 2% more, 21%. Churchgoers was 35% and resilient disciples was 67%. Then um, they asked if the church had been important for them in finding God's purpose. They asked, had you, you know, had a friend at church who helped you guide your professional development? said ex-Christians were 14%. Unchurched was only 1% more, 15%. Churchgoers was 22% and Resilient Disciples was 40%. And to be honest, guys, I reckon we can do better than that. I reckon we can do better than that. Only 40%. You know, I think that this statistic shows the importance of a cross-generational church. I think that this statistic really shows how it's so important that in this community that we have people who have navigated that season of life who can help those who are now trying to navigate it. That cross-generation is so important. I think it also says to us that it is never too young to start talking to our children about the purpose God has put on their life. It's never too young to look at the gifts God might have placed in their life and, and to encourage them in that and to help them build and develop those skills in those areas. They asked them um, if they wanted to use their unique talents and gifts to honour God. Ex-Christian said 13%. Unchurched was 31%. Churchgoers was 51% and Resilient Disciples jumped all the way up to 94%. Believing in all the work that they do was important to God. They said ex-Christians was 17%, unchurched 32%, churchgoers 46% and Resilient Disciples was 82%. It's interesting the correlation between those who understood their purpose and their faith with God and being a resilient disciple. What I also found interesting about these statistics is actually the similarity between ex-Christians and those who are unchurched. You see, in multiple of those cases, there were only a couple of percent between those two. And I find that so interesting, but you know, it actually kind of makes sense because how can someone grow and develop the giftings in light of their calling if they're not in a community of people to help guide them? How do we expect to grow in our giftings if we're not actually surrounded by people who can encourage us and help us to do that? So what's God put on your heart? What do you see that others miss? What do you see? What God gives to you, he wants to work through you. So I wonder what success looks like for you. Is it having a whole lot of money? Is it reaching a certain point in your career? Because to Christians, I believe that success, what it should look like, it's being where God has called us to be when he's called us to be there. It's being, if you have said yes to God and you are where he's called you to be in that time, to me, that, that is success. See, people who are spiritually mature, they allow the grace of God to work through their life. It's not necessarily just like this one big dream call. You know, I've seen people get so caught up on this. I need to find my call. What's your call? What's my call, right? It's not necessarily just this one distant thing off in the future. It's a lifestyle of saying yes to God and following where he's asked us to be. I think of Esther in the Bible. You know, Esther, she was beautiful. But that was actually very intentional. That was a gift, because what that did is it actually allowed her to be put in a position as queen, which then put her in a position of authority to completely change the fate of her people. Yeah. You see, she was just as called before she was queen as when she was queen, yeah. but she was where God wanted her to be when, when she needed to be there. I think of David. He was 
just as called when he was a shepherd as he was when he was a king. You see, when he was a shepherd in that time, he was called in that, in that moment and God was preparing him for what was to come. I think of Daniel. He was in exile. Who would have thought that being in exile was part of God's plan? But yet God used that, his position as an exile, he used that to influence, um, influence the, the good for his kingdom. I think of Jesus' disciples. They seem so unqualified, but they were called. Maybe you seem unqualified, but you're called and you were made for this. So as Paul said in Corinthians, let everyone lead the life which the Lord has assigned, which God has called them to. Everyone should remain in the state which they were called. In whatever state we were called, let us remain with God. Whatever God gives to you, he wants to work through you. I'm going to get everyone to stand. And I'd love to pray for those who are just feeling a lack of purpose in their life right now. You know, when we feel that lack of purpose, we can be tired. We can feel unmotivated. And if that's you in this place, I'd love to be able to pray for you. So with everyone's eyes closed, just to give people privacy, if you're feeling a lack of purpose in your life right now and you want to say, God, I want to like, I want to investigate this more. Like, God, I, I fill me with that sense of purpose in my life. I want to take you. I've compartmentalized my faith. And I want to take you into every part of my life. Would you speak to me? Would you move through me? If that's you, why don't you just raise your hand just as a sign of surrender to God. And I'm going to pray, God, I thank you. God, that you you design us intentionally. You created us intentionally for a purpose. God, I thank you that you want to be in every part of our day. And God, I pray that we would be so aware of where you are, that we'd be so aware of how you're wanting to move, that we'd be so aware of the way that you've designed us, God, that you've created us, and that we would choose to to work through your grace into our lives, in our workspaces, in our families, in our relationships. God, I pray for those right now who are feeling that lack of purpose. I pray that you would just fill them with your Spirit that you would fill them with your purpose, that you would speak to them, God, about where you have called them, that you would speak to them about the purpose that you've put on their lives. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.